Close Encounters of the Third Kind auditions, Al Pacino. This is important. This means something. Yeah, that's wonderful, Al. But why did you make two mounds out of the mashed potatoes? I was thinking about Beverly D'Angelo. Close Encounters of the Third Kind auditions, Marlon Brando. Oh, it's so important. This means something. That's wonderful, Marlon, but where are the mashed potatoes? What mashed potatoes? Close encounter. Stupid. <laughs> Take two. One mm-hmm. mashed potatoes. Close encounter. <laughs> Fuck me. Close encounter. Hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind auditions, Nick Nolte. God damn it, this is important. God damn it, this means something. Oh, god damn. Uh, cut. I have to say, Nick, I was a little concerned you'd be at something of a disadvantage after Marlin ate all the potatoes, but when you improvised by making a mountain out of your own fecal matter, it, it was disturbing, to be sure, but it was also... The bravest, boldest audition of the entire day. Audition? (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) This is the stupidest (laughs) one ever. Welcome to episode 69. Oh, goddammit, Roscoe and I used to do that. (laughs) Of opening weekend. (laughs) Coming soon. This summer, at theaters everywhere, opening weekend, rated R. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa, and this is the week we make contact with February 3rd, 1978, and the wide release of Steven Spielberg's classic Close Encounters of the Third Kind, starring Richard Dreyfus, Melinda Dillon, Terry Garr, Carrie Guffey, Bob Balaban, and Francois Truffaut. Ah, the French... We'll also list our top 10 favorite Steven Spielberg films. But before we visit Devil's Tower, which is not the name of a discontinued menu item at Taco Bell, but <laughs> might be a euphemism for Milton Berle's penis, Fred and Dan, <laughs> what do you remember about the early weeks of 1978? I was five years old and I was trying to think. What? I was like, what was going on around this time? And I don't. I can't remember if we spoke about this. I think this came up, but I don't think this particular story did. Uh, the story of Ice Capades and Dorothy Hamill. I think oh, we... Yeah, I maybe. Wait, uh, Dorothy Hamill did come up in one episode. <laughs> she did. Not not like the story of it. Not like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the History Channel presents the story of Dorothy Hamill. No, no, no. Not no, that. But, but you I mentioned think, her at some point. Her haircut was a very big deal in the 70s. A yeah, very my sister big had it. Yeah, my sister had it too. We might have discussed that, but I remember, you know, I probably saw Ice Capades probably around, you know, because that was a, a winter festivity and, and mm-hmm. Ice Capades was like this touring ice skating show. And I Fun. remember this one and I went online because I'm like, wait, was there an Ice Capades around this time? And there was, it was 1978. And I found the program oh, that on. I had because what I remember was going and they had all these Hanna-Barbera characters that came out. 
There's Hong Kong Fooey, who was my favorite. And uh, Yogi Bear, I remember. And the Flintstones. I really remember the Flintstones. I just remember being- Scooby? Was Scooby there? Scooby was there, yeah. And I was so enchanted by all of it. But (laughs) I was so in love with Dorothy Hamill. I couldn't. She was the prettiest- woman I had ever seen in my five years. And I remember (laughs) it must've been around this time. I remember we had a show and tell in kindergarten because we had just come back. Oh, this must've been it. Yeah. Because I think we just come back from winter break and it was like, what'd you do over winter break? And everyone had a show and tell. And I remember Arthur Buer had also gone to see the ice capades so oh, we no. were both going to be in our show and tell. We were both going to be showing our programs from that. <laughs> and I remember being a little, I was like, oh man, I thought I was going to be the only one. Cause I had it all set up what I was going to do. And, and I remember I went, I think I went first. I must've gone first. Cause I remember being disappointed afterwards. Cause I went up and I talked about it and I remember the teacher and I could see it. I can, you know, like all the kids are on the rug around me and there were (laughs) windows that went all around the room and the snow was outside and I can, like, I can feel being there and holding up the program and and the teacher saying, well, what was your favorite part? And I remember just turning to a page and I remember being taken off guard thinking like, oh, I, 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 I didn't think there are going to be questions. Uh, I, I didn't prepare this in my, in my presentation. Well, doing your ice capades, Ted talk. Yeah. <laughs> your PowerPoint. Yeah. So I remember opening up to the page of Dorothy Hamill and just pointing to the pictures. It was just close-ups of Dorothy Hamill. I was like, this is my favorite part. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Don't get a boner. Don't get a boner. No, 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 no. no. Oh, this is my favorite part. And, this, oh, and just, so and just pointing to the pictures of her. And then the feeling of embarrassment and disappointment when Arthur Buer got up and they were like, well, what were your favorite parts? And he's pointing, to, of course, to the pictures of when the Hanna-Barbera characters come out and like the fun, cool stuff, like the big disco show. And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, that was really my favorite part. Why didn't I? Should, everyone's going to know that, you know. Because I'm, it wasn't. Dorothy I'm Hamill. Dorothy Hamill. Hamill was it? Be honest. It was your favorite I know, but, part. But I thought I, you were going to say he upped the ante by having like a piece of Dorothy Hamill's scalp or something. <laughs> like a lock of her hair. He'd be like, I got this afterwards. I took the skate right off of her fucking foot and I got my prize. This may or may not be her finger. <laughs> this Dorothy Hamill pelt. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything good at that. I guess, you know, I also felt foolish because I knew in my five-year-old brain thinking, oh, that's that picture, Dorothy Hamill's face is not a favorite part of the show. It's my favorite part of her body, maybe, but you know what at I mean? Five. Like, <laughs> But looking at the pictures, I knew I'm like, well, that's not a favorite Heart, but I guess it was. It was when Dar- you're whenever so Dorothy judge- was there. So judgmental yeah. of yourself, even at five right. years old. Like, and you can remember, like, oh, so stupid. Why did I point to her face? I should have pointed to her legs. Those dudes, the skating. I was. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Is, even back then, I, that's one of those moments that I will always that I always go back to. In li- not always, but I, there's many moments in my life, too many to count, that I will constantly jump back and be like, "Why did I do that? That was so fucking stupid." Why did? And that's where it all starts. I think that's where it starts. Thinking, "What? Why? What why the would fuck? I do that? Why? Why, why can't I, I just be more that? like Arthur Bueller?" God damn it, uh, Bueller! Did he Bueller. get? Did he get the better grade on the thing? I don't think we got graded. You don't get graded on show and tell. Don't you, though? 
Don't you? <laughs> were people you? more entertained by him or were more by you? I think that was the thing. Maybe that's yeah, what it was. Not. I feel like they were more entertained because I was just showing pictures of the pretty girl. Then right. he shows pictures of the big Hannibal. And everyone's like, ooh, like, oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, everyone's going, ooh, Scooby-Doo was there. Did you see Scooby-Doo? Did you meet yeah. him? Was, was Huckleberry Hound involved? Was Top Cat? First of all, you should have been cast as Scrappy-Doo. That goes without saying. <laughs> that's probably what it was. They should have put you out there. They called me Scrappy-Doo in elementary Did school. Did they really? Yeah. It was, and it was a point of pride. I thought it was cool. I was like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm Scrappy-Doo. Give us a little Scrappy-Doo right now. Do you give, us a little, give us a little of your scrappy How did Scrappy talk? He had a regular, because I, I think he just spoke regularly. He spoke. Yeah, yeah he spoke. <laughs> he was like, I have been in this business 52 years, and I will, I've never seen anything like this. And reality is the situation. And I, I can't speak. He was like, what the, what the fuck, Scooby? Jesus a- Christ, learn to fucking talk. <laughs> How much older are you than I? I I'm, a, I'm a puppy and I can fucking put string words together. Jesus. Shaggy, put the bong down. God damn it, I'm not getting in a van with you. You're not driving. Look at his fucking eyes, Fred. Not, uh, not you, Fred. Not Fred in elementary school. Fred with the white sweater. The actual Fred. Yeah. Fred with the cravat. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of which, what's with the fucking cravat? <laughs> I was thinking about the TV shows around this time. Battlestar Galactica was big, but Eight is Enough was a show that I remember watching. Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley were the big ones. And I don't even know if Mork and Mindy was on yet. It was probably coming on this year. Yeah. Yes. Those were the big, big ones. Watch but this might have been, Mork might have made his appearance on uh, yeah. on Happy Days because more came because that was a result of Star Wars being so big. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I learned right. that from the David Scoff book. Robin. No, yeah, yeah. no Mork and Mindy definitely started in '78. So, but I think this was, would have been too early. I think it was probably fall of '78 mm. that Mork and Mindy started. So, yeah, but so he probably appeared on Happy Days right around now. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because the you're kids right. were like, I think, if, uh, um, oh my God, what's the what's the producer's name of Happy Days again? Uh, Gary Marshall. Marshall. Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall, yeah. Someone said, one of the kids was was like, yeah, we love Star Wars. You got to do Star Wars on Happy Days. So they're like, all right, we'll Which do an alien. the stupidest <laughs> fucking idea in human history. But and yet, yet, it worked. And yet, and yet <laughs> oh my God. I fucking, that's like my favorite episode of Happy Days ever from a kid. My memory as a kid being so excited. An alien came to visit Richie. Yes. How great yes. is that? As, as children, we appreciated it. You know who didn't appreciate it? Everyone Henry else. Winkler, Ron Howard, Tom Bosley, Marion Ross, everybody on that set who's like, oh, what are we fucking doing now? What are we doing? Like every time something comes up. Henry Winkler was like, I just, wait a minute. I just jumped a show. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was, wait a minute. That was my homage to Jaws. I'm done. <laughs> With blockbuster homages. <laughs> Oddly, Erin Moran was fine with it, but she was young. <laughs> Scott Bayo? Mm. Scott Bayo didn't like it at all. No. Anson Williams on the fence. <laughs> he was my favorite. I loved. You loved Potsy? I wanted to laugh like Potsy. I liked Potsy's laugh. Oh my God. Potsy. I literally never thought about Potsy. <laughs> Till this moment. If they found him in a dumpster <laughs> behind Arnold, I would not. I have loved him. Twice. I loved Potsy and I loved Peter Brady. Those are my two favorites. I auditioned so, once for Potsy. I auditioned once for Anson Williams. He was directing. He was oh, directing. you auditioned for, I was like, you auditioned for the role of Potsy <laughs> somewhere? Potsy in the Ice Capades, in the Happy Days part <laughs> of Ice Capades, circa I think you'd be a better Ralph Mouth. Oh, I would be yeah, a great Ralph true. Mouth. 
I enjoyed him as well. Been a great, that's what you'll be saying in the old podcaster's home. You'll be sitting there with your corn mush. You'll say, I could have been a great Ralph Mouth. And be like, are we, those are not words. None of those are words. You were five, first of all. Second of all, no. Hey, you were talking about the ice capades, Fred. I'm just going to throw this in there because I... I saw something similar. It wasn't Ice Capades. It wasn't the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but it was like one of these shows on ice. And mm. it was, it blew my fucking mind. And it was right around this time too, because it was Looney Tunes meets Batman and Robin and all of Batman's villains. And it blew my mind wow. because I knew nothing about corporate synergy. I was six years old and it wasn't thing. I would never <laughs> have known like the way Six Flags has all those characters because right. Warner, Brothers Warner Brothers is yeah. the banner for them. Yeah. But as a kid, I didn't know Warner Brothers owned DC Comics. So oh I'm my like, God, did that just like blast open the doors for you? That's like just, everything you love. It blew my fucking mind. And, it would be, and then they, and then at the end of, it, it was crazy because it was, it was like, Daffy Duck and the Riddler and Bugs Bunny, <gasps> this craziest combination of characters in all these little scenes, like on ice, yeah, skating around and doing this thing. And then they gave you a coloring book at the end where you, or we bought one as a souvenir. And I just couldn't get over it. I'd never seen anything like that where like the characters that shouldn't yeah. go together from different worlds, like the, the kind of awesome. Roger Rabbit effect or whatever, yeah. like, oh my God, these people are sharing the same space. It was literally a coloring book with like, yeah, Batman and Robin and Bugs Bunny, like running. And I was like, this is crazy. It was like a cherished possession. I love that. No Dorothy Hamill, no, 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 no famous humans in mind, just uh, cartoon <laughs> characters, but it was, I wish I could remember what it was called exactly, but it was fucking awesome. What were you doing, Dan? I, my, my moment of synergy came when, uh, when, uh, Mr. Rogers had, Mr. Rogers visited the set of the Hulk. Yeah. That was like, what, what? Oh, I don't remember it was that. The plane, right? Yes. Was he, like, and Bill remember. Bixby is the sweetest sweetest man to him and he's like yeah and this is how and we play pretend and, and mr rogers as he always does is breaking it down he's like so when you're angry you're not really angry right you're just yes i'm pretending and blah blah, blah. and then ferrigno comes over in his full head to toe green and is just talking to freaking mr rogers and it's the first time you see him ever as far as i know talk just being lou ferrigno in the full in regalia <laughs> and it was mind exploding have you ever seen that fred that clip? I don't th oh, no i i, I oh have no God. recollection of that yeah, oh, yeah and it was like that moment it's like here's these two things i like at four years old and they're coming together <laughs> you know and uh and it was it was pretty now i don't i don't know if that was i was four when that happened but that was a, a, a vivid moment of like synergy for me of like oh my god this is happening now it probably happened when i was like 16 and i was still just, you know, <laughs> but, i still had that poster on you door Oh God! Did I ever? Now had Hulk desert. come and met the Fonzie and met the Happy Days gang, that would have been. No, that, that you know, made, somehow that would have made more sense to me. I'm actually, like, I'm surprised like that, that never age. happened. Bill Bixby's like just like a, you know the, the chem teacher, and then he's like, he comes look out, town. Kids. He comes through <laughs> Milwaukee to yeah. teach chemistry. You know, Stanley. There's there's got to be it. Can we we need to search that? There's got to be a comic where it's like the Hulk meets the Fonz. <laughs> there's got to be. That's true. That is something they would have absolutely done. No question. Oh, would have been good. But mm -hmm. I was in preschool at this time. If you were in, if you were in kindergarten, yeah. then I was in preschool. And did your preschool have this, a room full of giant, giant blocks? Oh, yeah. I, absolutely. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're, you're remembering this as well. Big wooden kid sized, or in some cases, probably adult sized blocks oh, yeah. that probably could have killed you. 
like could have injured you. <laughs> right. Like you're you're in there basically doing construction and putting these things on top of each other, making bridges and arches and and pathways and, and you know and things like that. And the, they constantly fell over. How were our necks not broken? How were we just? They didn't. And no one's supervision. No one's in there going like, okay, time to watch the kids in the block room because this is incredibly dangerous. Nobody's in there. No, because you always get the and then the one bad seed takes one, whacks somebody in the face, and then they go to the nurse's office. And but it was always like one, like it never translated into a full on melee. And that's just I don't know what were we just better, smarter kids? We don't trust kids to do anything now. We're like, mm, I don't right? know, they're gonna kill each other in there. Yeah, I don't know. It was. Cr- I remember going to when Ben first started elementary school here, uh, when we moved and I guess he was, yeah, it must've been a first grade, I think. And, and me and one of my neighbors, Sean were outside, was after school and him and some of the kids were outside in the playground and they had all these like foam blocks and foam, you know, almost like, um, those pool, pool uh, yeah, the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're, you know, running around. wood. We hurt each other. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. They're hitting yeah, each other and running around. And we're thinking, we're like, ooh, ooh, should we, should we put a stop to, and then suddenly <laughs> Sean and I look at each other, we're like, when we were that young, we ran around with like fucking barbed wire. He's like, yeah, he's like, we'd go, he's from Jersey. He's like, we'd go to like the local junkyard yeah, and like have a, a fights board with, with a nail in it. And hit yeah. So like, <laughs> ah, if they want to hit each other with foam, go ahead. It's I mean, you think, think about like the playgrounds that we had in our elementary schools oh, God, back yeah, then as rocks. compared to now. It's just rocks. Crazy. Just all like sharp edges and metal and it, <laughs> rust everywhere. Well, we'd like to show you another one of Mr. Mainway's products, and it's called Bag of Glass. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a glass. It's a broken glass. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it sells very well, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it didn't have a lot of Close Encounters toys. <laughs> didn't, yeah, right. Didn't, didn't you didn't have, have the of... Francois Truffaut uh, action figure? <laughs> you know, the Bob Balaban. Yeah. <laughs> Bob the, the crying children watching their father have a breakdown figures. <laughs> That play set. <laughs> the crying children at the table play set. <laughs> What's wrong with daddy? I didn't need that play set. I lived that play set. No, I'm just kidding. I remember Kenner pumping out hundreds and hundreds of those. Yeah, they never, they didn't sell. They did not sell. The crying children. It's abductorific. Um, there's the one, there's the one Terry Gar doll that if you, it's got vinyl, Caftan, and then there's the uh, the cloth caftan, but that that cloth one is worth on eBay. It's worth like millions because they only released about six of right, them. Right, because it was a mistake. They were never supposed yeah. to release that. You're right. It was the yeah. caftan that was supposed to go with the Mrs. Roper action figure, and they did, it was a, a mix up in packaging and distribution. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't, I don't think Terry Gar ever wears a caftan in the movie, but it seems appropriate for 1978. And Terry Gar is really cute in this. Um, <laughs> which takes us to our first movie. <laughs> which takes us to our first movie. Terry Gar is really cute in this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, oh. If a human had never heard of us, I'd be like, I don't know what this movie's about. This is, it's about women in caftans. <laughs> It's just about divorce, and which it kind of children. is. Yeah, it it's Kramer is. versus Kramer. Oh. Kramer versus aliens. <laughs> that was an episode of Seinfeld. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> close encounters of the third kind. Have you recently had a close encounter? A close encounter with something very unusual. 
Who are you people? Steven Spielberg's follow-up to 1975's Jaws tells the story of Roy Neary, played by Richard Dreyfuss, a blue-collar worker in Indiana whose life changes after an encounter with an unidentified flying object. The impact of this metaphysical experience leaves Roy mesmerized, and his obsession with discovering the truth about what he saw dissolves his marriage and causes those he loves to question his very sanity. Close Encounters marked Spielberg's first collaboration with editor Michael Kahn, it won Vilmos Zygmunt an Oscar for Best Cinematography, and employed Douglas Trumbull as visual effects supervisor and Carlo Rambaldi as the designer of the aliens, a function he would replicate to great acclaim five years later on Spielberg's E.T. the X extraterrestrial. A special edition of Close Encounters was released theatrically in 1980 to add scenes Spielberg was unable to include in the original release, but the studio demanded a controversial scene depicting the interior of the alien mothership, which drained the film's ending of its mystery, and which Spielberg famously redacted in his 1998 director's cut. Close Encounters rolled out slowly beginning in late 1977, but its widest North American release came in February of 1978. The film earned $135.2 million domestically and 171.7 million internationally for a worldwide total of nearly 307 million dollars. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Or CET3K, as we call oh, it. Oh, I biz. like that. I like that. And what does that stand for? <laughs> uh, this movie, this is one of those ones that, you know, I never, I never think about it when I think of the Spielberg oeuvre, mm -hmm. um, I really don't, you know, I, I, we've seen it many, I've seen it many times. This is probably, I don't know, six, maybe seventh time I've seen it. And it kind of, it's like, oh yeah, it's that, that long one. It's, it's the, it's, it's sort of drawn out. It's, it's exciting in parts and it's kind of drawn out in other parts, but holy mackerel, did I love this Rewatch. I hadn't seen it for several years, and I was like, "This is great. This is great. This is yeah. great." Spoiler alert: It makes my top ten. You know, but I mean, it it, it is just. Uh, I was so in. I was so in right mm -hmm. from the get go, and you know, it's our pal, it's our buddy Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> the Queen Sucker. He's bringing it. He He's really bringing is. it He's from great. moment one. Really, everybody is. Yeah. And the the sequence that I that I always found the most frustrating which is Melinda Dillon loses the little boy, mm -hmm. you know, was, uh, it's harrowing. It's absolutely harrowing. And, and you go, Melinda Dillon, just take him into a corner and hold on to him. You know, just don't let him go. And she, and it's, and I never, I always thought, well, this is unjustified. She would never, but this time I was like, no, she's doing everything she can. Yeah. <laughs> and these things are coming through the floor and the it's walls and the terrifying. Yeah. It is yeah. really, it really terrified the shit out of me. Maybe because I'm older now, I don't know, but it really terrified the shit out of me. Um, and uh, I, I really th thought Truffaut was great. I never gave his, his performance much thought. He's, excellent in it. Bob Balaban is is great. And I love the mystery. I, I watched the original theatrical release. I feel like I've seen all three at some yeah, point yeah. in my life. I feel I like, well. Fred, we watched the director's cut in Jerry Delamater's um, sci-fi class. I, I feel like that was the director's cut that we watched. Yeah, would, I think would that you, have made sense in 1990, whatever? Yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Mm -hmm. So I think I've seen all the versions and I don't really remember the interior of the ship and things like that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really recall. I think this version is pretty freaking great. I don't know what else he, 
you know, I don't know what else he added because I don't really remember, but I want to, I'm curious to see the other versions now or see a mashup or a mix up of them. uh, I actually, it's funny. I recently watched, I'm with you. I love this movie. I was Mm -hmm. giddy, giddy, giddy watching it. This is, this is the first Spielberg movie that I ever saw. Uh, And I have, as far as I remember, you know. You didn't see Sugarland Express as a zero year old? (laughs) (laughs) This might have been the first one I saw too. When I think about it, it must have been. I remember. I, I didn't see it, it in '78. I know I saw the '81, and I mm. and I feel it's funny. I was talking to my mom yesterday, and I was saying that we were. I was rewatching this, and I was talking about that, and it suddenly hit on hit me that I feel like not not. I feel like I know. I watched this with my mom, and I remember. Huh. Like there's something about it that makes me think of my mom, that my mom mm-hmm. showed it oh. to me or she was there like when we watched it. I don't know if I saw it in the theaters. I feel like we, I just saw it on TV somewhere that maybe we rented it or something. But I, I feel I like be- they showed it on TV quite a bit, like on regular TV. Like it was a good movie for TV. They didn't have to edit much out. Yeah, there, But there was a different, there's a different cut I read that they showed for television which oh, was really? like okay. even different than these three and cuts. The other one. But yeah. I remember that was a big thing at that time. They would do like the, like odd extended cuts yeah. and things for just for television. There's but I, I remember very watch. vividly mm-hmm. watching, you know, I, I, I saw many, many times that version. But then I remember watching the original version with the kids. It might have been at the beginning of the pandemic when everything shut down or shortly before then. And I remember you go to, you know, you go to rent it. There's all these different versions. And I'm thinking, oh, huh, hmm. which version? To, and I'm like, well, I got to do the original. It's got to be the original. I remember watching the original and I was thrown off because then it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what is this scene with Richard Dreyfus running around the garden like a lunatic pulling st- and throwing stuff through the window? Where's the scene with the ship in the desert? And that's when it dawned on me. Oh. And I did a little research. This was back then going, oh, I never saw the original theatrical cut. I had only seen the 1981. And in retrospect, and even watching it again, watching, I actually watched them both back to back the other day. (laughs) Did you really? Yeah, because (laughs) I love it so much and I wanted to see, I prefer the 1980 version. I still think the original version is great. But I, and there's another scene, and you mentioned this, the crying kid scene. It. There's a scene in the 1980 version. This is another one where I'm going, wait a minute. There's a, sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's several <laughs> scenes. The 1980 version, I believe, is superior because it sets up the family better. There's a scene. So in this mm. version, the first time you meet the Nearys, it's Terry Gar. Richard Dreyfus is looking sort of uh, upset. He's at a, he's looking at his train set, and Terry yeah. Gar gets a call saying, "Hey, there's you know there's a power outage. You got to go." In the extended version, there's a whole scene, and it's a great yeah, scene right. where he's playing with the trains yeah, and he's excited right. about the trains. And then they're like, "All right, what are we going to do tonight?" And he mentions Goofy Golf or Pinocchio. Pinocchio. That's talk- what I remember. That's yeah. The version I and he's remember. like, "We can go see Pinocchio. It's got furry animals." And he wants to go see Pinocchio. Yeah, that's and the right. kids are like. Goofy golf. And I always remember that as a kid thinking, oh, I want to go to Goofy golf. And that's not in this version. (laughs) That's weird, Fred, because I saw it a million times as a kid. And I do remember that. But I think I saw multiple versions of it, too. too. But I saw it so many times as a kid. And I remember that very vividly the scene you're talking it about. It sets up the yeah. family and there's another, mm. the other scene in, in the, in the, uh, the 1980 version, the whole scene of him 
ripping stuff out of the garden, which I find is a little goofy to me. He, they get rid of that. And instead, the scene that I remembered, and again, watching this with the kids going, where is this? Where Terry Gar wakes up in the middle of the night and Dreyfus is in the shower. And he's just yes. lying in the shower. Oh, uh, yeah. And she's kind of like breaking the door. And they yeah, start yeah, to, yeah, and he's like, I don't right. know what's happening. I don't know what's oh, going right, on. Right, right. And, and what's fascinating, there was a documentary about Spielberg. I, I think it was on HBO a couple of years ago. And Spielberg yes. talks about this scene being the most personal scene he ever filmed because, and I always remember this as a kid, Dreyfus and Terry Gar, they're yelling at each other and the oldest son is slamming yes. the door going, you cry, baby, you cry, baby. Yes, I totally remember it's that It's fucking too. heartbreaking. Right, and Spielberg yeah. said that's exactly what happened to him. Like he had a really traumatic relationship with his, with dad, his dad, which I had no idea. Aww. And he said, he's like, I remember doing that. I remember slamming the door and yelling at my dad, calling him a crybaby. So my God, Fred. there was that. Yeah. There's a scene where the scientists are in the Gobi Desert and they see a giant freighter ship just dropped yeah. in the middle of the desert. Right. There's right. all this stuff. So watching this original cut... Yeah going, where, where is this stuff? This isn't my close encounters. Uh, <laughs> but that's yeah, crazy. Missing, so, yeah. so, so, so that must be the 1981. That was the 1981. The one I saw yeah. a lot as a kid. That yes. must have been the one that I, cause we had, the reason I saw this movie so much as a kid is we had, again, that video disc thing that I've told you guys about, like that, that machine where you stick it in like a record album and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the case pulls out and leaves the disc and so we had that. That's one of the first movies we had. And I watched it a million times. So it must have been, I guess it was the special edition. Special I never edition, realized yeah. that. But I don't remember a scene on the mothership. I only remember seeing the scene on the mothership from watching it on television. That's when I remember seeing that scene on television too. Yeah. I don't remember it from that. I don't remember it from the version of the movie that I... So I wonder if there were like even... Other tweaks, Different like versions home of video the tweaks, edition. because the home mm-hmm. video version must have come out in like 82 or something. And, you know, maybe he like, you know, like the, because he was forced to put the mothership scene in. Yeah, he would only get the money to do the reshoots. Right. I was watching so, a, an interview last night with him because I didn't know about that. But he said <sighs> he he's like, I want more money because he said that he was very rushed at the end of filming this. They're like, yeah. come on, you got to get it done. You got Columbia Pictures like you got to get it done. You got to get it done. And so he he couldn't edit it the way he wanted to. So he just did stuff quick. And he said, he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have had the scene with Dreyfus, you know, running around the garden. He's like, but I didn't have time. And so when he went back, that was the deal with the devil that he made. You know, they're like, well, if you're wow. going to release it, you got to have something really big. So, you know, give us something exciting. You can't just have like a scene with Dreyfus and the family. That's not going to bring, that's not going to bring audiences back into the theaters. Back to the theater, give them something new. Theatrical re-release. Yeah. yeah that's right. Right. You have to have the tease like Jabba the Hutt's going to be there talking to Han Solo. You're going to have the thing that makes them want to come back. They were going to CGI Bob Balaban. They went against <laughs> it. They were just going to CGI his Every whole scene you're mentioning though, Fred, is like a great scene that I remember and yeah. really love and would actually True. have made this experience. And I loved watching it this week, but- would have made it even better. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm conflicted on this. Like, I, I hope there is a version that exists that has all those things you're mentioning, but doesn't have 
because I do think it's really smart to not see what's on the ship. I agree. To, agree. to leave that mystery for us. Like we haven't got that. That's the most recent cut that Spielberg did. The one that Spielberg did recently or whenever it was, well, not recently, but it was a while back. years ago. Yeah. He, he kept the- everything he did. He kept all those scenes in, but he got rid of that. He's like, that's the one scene. He's like, you don't need it. So I got rid of it. But wow. so this latest version is what he considers to be the definitive version then. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, now I want to watch director's cut. Yeah. But all that being said, I, you know, to go back, I love this movie. I mean, this movie's got such a sense of whatever, whichever one you watch, I prefer the one with those scenes. I think it's a better yeah. movie and it builds up the family better and it gives you a better sense. It grounds Dreyfus's struggle a bit more. Yesterday, when I was rewatching it twice, with both versions, you know, that kid... Um, what's his name? Uh, Huffy? Gary Guffey. Gary Guffey. He's amazing. Terrific. I mean, Carrie first of all, Guffey, he looks like yeah. one of the aliens, you know. That's what I wrote. I was yes, like, that's, it does. looks like they modeled the aliens after his face. It's yes. the no same question. expression. Absolutely. The same softness to it. Yeah. But there's such a exactly That's I why thought. they're friends. That's why he's not. That's why they the, took The positivity him. of this movie is what is the most winning thing about yeah. it. His, every, I mean, even though it's, yes, it's harrowing when he gets abducted. It's such a positive but movie. He Everybody's doesn't see it as harrowing. with it. That's the amazing no. thing. Exactly. He, he thinks it's toys. This is yeah. fun for him. Fun. You know? Yeah. And the light, I was watching in this interview that I just watched last night with Spielberg, he said something so great that, you know, the most iconic, you know, the use of light in this movie is just gorgeous. The light yeah. and colors, you know, just the the from from the ships and how it pours through the door. But that that shot of, you know, the little kid. Barry opening the door and that orange light shining in. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just iconic and it's gorgeous the way it's filmed. But Spielberg was saying, you know, that for him, it was about kids not being afraid of letting the light in, you know, not being afraid of opening the door and experiencing new things. And parents, you know, are are immediately Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 we got to shut the door. We got to shut the door. And, you know, which is another great thing Mm -hmm. about opening, you know, having the, the shot of Dreyfus playing with the trains in the beginning, he's a kid. Uh-huh. He's more a kid yes. than his kids. Well, he's he's attuned. Yeah, he's got that childlike wonder, which is the thing they always say about Spielberg, that he's tapped in in a way that makes his his kids movies feel very, very genuine and very real and very, very, actually very mature, you know, this yeah. and E.T. And uh, the, like, he's just coming at it from such a pure place. It's like, he's coming at it from the perspective of a child yeah. and that's why they work so fucking well. And there's nothing quite like them. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You have to have the wonder and the acceptance of the, of the miraculous, you know, the acceptance yeah. of the, of, of what, to 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 the to the adult world would be intimidating or just downright scary or dangerous you know and that's it you, you, I mean we'll talk about this with the top 10 but it has that echoes through as you said so many of his movies ET and and so many others has different takes on that basically that thing There's a lot of, and the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, this is in a lot of Spielberg movies. There's a lot of product placement in this movie. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Budweiser. Budweiser. Product placement. Coca-Cola. Television. 
loves yeah, television. Yeah, there's a lot of lo- clips of television. There's Coca-Cola, there's Baskin Robbins. You know, there's it's all through the movies, but they that's gotta in pay a lot for it of somehow. movies. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You gotta pay for it somehow, but it but it always feel it no, it feels it feels authentic. Again, it feels authentic yes. in it because that is the world around us. It feels very much, it is, you know, he's, a, he's very, he grew up in the suburbs. He's right. a, 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 kind of, I want to say obsessed with the suburbs. I don't mean it like that, but he really, right. um, it's a, it's a pretty romantic and magical view of suburban life because whenever he's got these, you know, whenever he sets a film in the suburbs, something amazing always happens within it. So it's, it's both, it's both the mundane. It's both like a social commentary on like the humdrumness of it and the, the sameness of it. Right. And, uh, but also the fact that, uh, lurking anywhere can be, uh, magic. And, and so I, I, I love that he puts in terror or terror, Mm -hmm. but, um, but generally, the terror always kind of, at least in these films, you know, Close Encounters and E.T. are so interconnected. It oh, almost yeah. feels like, yeah, it almost feels like it's a, a E.T. is like a, 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 you know, how they you zoom in on a, a detail of a fine art painting or something yes. and examine a section of it. That's kind of what E.T. feels like. It's like, let's just That's take good. it from a child's experience or perspective or attitude towards alien life and growing up as a child in the suburbs of America in the late seventies, early eighties. That's, you know, that's like the laser focus of this movie, which is a a much bigger, more sprawling, all encompassing, uh, kind of tale. But, um, yes, there's, there's, there's terror, but that usually gets as opposed to as opposed to the films he produces, like Poltergeist and Gremlins, where he's as a producer, he takes the thing that like it looks idyllic, and then you see the flip side, the monstrous flip side. Oh, and Super he Eight. Shows you, Super Eight is that one? And too, Super right? Eight as well. But oh my in, god! In the, in, the, in the movies he directs, until you get to like War of the Worlds or something, it tends right, to be yeah. it's you know Close Encounters in ET. It's like this is threatening. This is scary. This is scary. And then, Oh, but it's beautiful too. Oh, look, you know, I, I, I love that about that's his, that's his inherent optimism and, and, uh, childlike wonder at play, but his movies are some of the only ones where the product placement doesn't feel egregious. It feels like it's just really setting the scene and grounding the entire production. You know, he loves toys coming to life messes he loves messes he loves to make a mess of things i love the messiness of this house that shot there's so many shots and i was like oh god and i remember again they all came back i remembered them but i yeah i just love i love the messiness of the yard when dreyfus goes out he's like what what's happening and he's he's screaming (laughs) to the sky you can see you know there's like dirt patches in the yard everywhere. It's not a well-manicured yard. It's a, it's a normal suburban yard where like yeah. they just, I don't have fucking time to put fertilizer yeah. in. I love when he, <laughs> when he totally wants to bring the kids man. outside, you know, he's like, you gotta, you gotta see this. You gotta see this. And he knocks on yeah. the door. Those shots of him opening the kids doors. And then the way they're sleeping. Oh, the way they're sleeping, the mess in their rooms. It's perfect. Yeah. Just the shit everywhere. And I love, you know, you mentioned super eight. I don't remember much of it. I remember being disappointed by that movie, but I remember some of the early scenes with the kids. I'm thinking, oh, that's so obviously like they got the Spielberg, 
you know, though Spielberg's so good at getting those scenes of kids like talking over one another. That's that's why I that's what I missed about this original theatrical cut. I missed seeing more scenes with the family because they're so great where the kids are just yelling at each other and talking and you feel like you're okay, sort of okay. Well, now, that he, okay, that so he you, gets. You, you're now jogging my memory. I think that version is because that's the main thing I remember about this movie about the family scenes is like there's so much Altman like overlapping. Yeah. Dialogue and he does and it in E.T. He gets it in crazy. there. Yep, you see it in E.T. You see it in a bunch of movies. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined it. I couldn't it? have imagined it. Maybe it was a pervert or deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath. Elliot, <laughs> sit down. So then you're right, Jason, going back to the product placement, that it it doesn't bother you because it just feels like it's a part no, of that No, because you're world. like, this is my house. My house, we have cans of Coke. We have a Chef Boyardee. We have, yeah. like, to- you know, Star Wars toys lying around or whatever it is. I mean, you know, it, it just, nobody, there's no cynicism there. It's all in painting. He's, That's right. He paints a love, he's the only director anything who paints a loving portrait of suburbia that's not just a joke. You know, most of the time you see a thing set in the in the suburbs and it's like, yeah, there's something that feels plastic about it. Yeah, this it's feels a setup very, for cynicism. You're, you yeah, nailed it. Yeah, it feels, wow, you're it right. Feels very, it feels very rich and authentic. And I think yeah. now you can really see the straight line drawn from theatrical release of Close Encounters to a special edition that not that many people probably saw theatrically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to, you know, it's not going to be the same. A lot of people went, but it's not the same as the initial presentation. That's the version that gets to TV that we see as kids. Mm-hmm. But as a filmmaker, getting to do the thing he wants to do and highlight the things he wants to highlight, then there's a straight line to two years later, E.T., where it's like, well, I'm just going to make a new movie that, you know, explores again, like zooms in on one aspect of the Close Encounters story, a child's uh, interaction with uh, with these with aliens. But that gets in all of that stuff that we that we're saying we missed about the family Maybe. dynamics here. You know, when they choose him, when they choose Roy Neary, Dreyfus, to go in, no. and the little and the little <laughs> alien comes out. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's the only one who goes in, right? The other astronauts don't go in. Right? Yeah. Oh, and this is this just brought me back to a memory I had as a kid, which I'll get to in a second. But he yeah. he said. You know, they bring him in and the alien comes down and he said that he loved that alien when they designed him. He goes, I, he was my, they called him Puck, I think that was his name. Huh. And he said that he it was like my imaginary friend. Like I always wanted an imaginary friend. So I loved, and there's, you know, they show all these pictures of Spielberg, like nuzzling up to the, um, the, the alien. Mm-hmm. And oh he said children. that when he was on the set, he's like, I love this alien so much. He's like, I wanted it to be my own friend. And I suddenly, and he said, he's, you know, I suddenly had this idea. Oh, what if they left one of theirs behind. What if it was an exchange program? Like you take one of ours, we'll take one of yours. And he said, he's like, at that moment, he was going to change the ending of the movie. But then he said, no, 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 no. Let me wait. Let me hold it. This is a really good idea. Let me hold off. But he said that was the genesis of E.T. Yeah, and then he sure. said he brought it to Columbia. And I didn't know this, but I guess it's a very famous story that he he came up with this idea and he brought it to Columbia Pictures because he felt like, well, I have to go to them because they helped me with, with Close Encounters. And they rejected it. Yeah. They, they ended up rejecting it. Was like it so. It's like, well, you've done that. You went to that well. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's a lot of people say it feels like a de facto sequel in some ways. Et. To yeah. I just wanted to call the alien either Krippendorf or Lansky, <laughs> and that got rejected. All those are my imaginary friends. The, the, the other thing, when you talk about like this movie is full of potentially terrifying things that then get subverted in a beautiful way to something positive. It's right. a, you know, it's the it's the it's the thing that you know then. Finally, again, years later, when he does War of the Worlds, that's the first time he kind of gives in to that, like, no, the aliens are actually horrible and they're here to destroy us. You know, he he mm-hmm. this 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 loving turnaround because I I've seen this movie so many times. So you try to watch when we do these these rewatches of especially the really famous stuff that from our childhoods, like the Star Wars movies or Superman or whatever, you try to watch it as if you've never seen it before. And that's hard. Um but so much of I can only imagine in 1977, 78, watching this in the theater and being like, oh, no, oh, no, something terrible is going to happen with these ships when they're coming at the end at Devil's Tower. It just seems like it's being it seems like they're bracing for an attack, like they're not because sure of what's Independence going to Day, Because we've seen this through the lens of uh, movies like Independence Day. That's well, all sh- I thought of. I was like, in another context, this is this is what Independence Day is ripping off in, in essence. Right, right. But but what uh, what audiences in the 70s remember is the right. stuff from the 50s and the atomic, you know, like in War of the Worlds and all the of that. The day the Earth stood go. still there and all that. Yeah. So good, that's good, what good, they're, yes. they're playing off of that. And then it came from outer space, movies like that. Then the, the beautiful light show and then especially the community communication between those the the the, the, the music. musical the riffing that kind of almost like jazz like it was it's like, it's like very comedic mm-hmm. and joyful that kind of back and forth between the they're improvising yeah. Those, yeah they're improvising and, and jamming says, i don't know what we're saying to each other we're saying, but we're just trying you just uh, the communication between the ships is so Wonderful. beautiful and so fun and then when it opens up that's another moment of it's like constantly moments of like potential threat and then you're delightfully surprised. There's always like delight yeah. on the other end of it, always. And yeah, it's my favorite. But even though this is the original version and misses so many of the things that that you're mentioning, Fred, that I really love from my my childhood memories of this film, I I think this was in some ways the most satisfying. Maybe because I'm watching it as an adult, and my most satisfying rewatch of this film because I'm just appreciating it more for uh, all the things it does so well that I, I don't know that I could truly appreciate when I saw it, whatever, a dozen times as a kid. Give her six quavers, then pause. She sent us four quavers, a group of five quavers, a group of four semi-quavers. The only thing these phrases have in common are five, six... I hope somebody's taking all this down. What are we saying to each other? Seems they're trying to teach us a basic tonal vocabulary. It's the first day of school, fellas. I love the John Williams score of this movie. You don't no, think no, of, no, other than the do-do-do-do-do, you don't think of the rest of the, the music around it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like when they, the, I, I don't want to, yeah. like the quote-unquote action scenes when Dreyfus is like running, when he's driving really fast. The music that underscores yeah. that viscerally, I was like, oh God, I remember that. Like, I love it. It's really, they really build up the tension. But man, the scene, and it's so spielberg 
and it's so great. And it, I, I, I can only guess that he learned this from Jaws, from all the, the, the things that he had to do on Jaws, where like, shit, the shark's not working. How else mm-hmm. can we present this unknown terror or something? But when when Roy Neary, when they first send him out to, to, to check out and oh, stuff, yeah. and you see him in the truck, and he's looking at the map, and you see the truck lights come behind him, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he's like, go, go around me. And they go around, the guy, Great. you know, yells at him. You're in the middle of the road, jackass. You tell me where cornbread is? Turkey! Turkey! <laughs> Whatever, which is amazing. And then it cuts to another scene, then it goes back to Dreyfus, and he's, he's at another stop sign, still lost, and you see the truck lights come behind him, and he just waves yeah. on again, and then you see the lights <laughs> go up. up. So I good. yelled. I'm like, that's so, so fucking brilliant oh, yeah. and simple. simple. It's simple. It's simple. And it's amazing. And then when you get that, you know, again, talking about sound, that low frequency bass sound. I mean, you know, there's the lights, which is so much of the movie that obviously, you know, gives him the sunburn. But there's this low frequency bass sound that's just humming for a while. And then it just stops. And you don't realize how loud and like in your belly it is until it's not there anymore. Until it disappears. Yeah. Yeah, It becomes so like ingrained by that. But oh, that scene is just. That's the best scene. Wonderful. And all the shots of the sky. The sky is beautiful. And throughout the movie, it's almost like a character. Another character. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking that like that first shot of Melinda Dillon's house where like the house is in the corner Mm -hmm. and it's just an expanse of sky. It's going, oh my God. It's, and then they keep going back to that. that's all we know. That's all we know of like what might lie beyond. And so it is great that that is another character. And that, and that's such a, it's such a big part of Pinocchio, which he does reference in the special edition more directly, but you know, and, and the, the song, when you wish upon a star is like, like very, it was very, it was formative for him in, in the making of it. He wanted, he wanted the movie to feel like the way you feel when you hear that song, when you wish upon a star, he just had that in his mind. He wanted the whole movie to feel like that. And it's just that, that kind of mix of wonder and hope, wonder and hope about what, <laughs> about what's in the stars. It's really, it's beautiful. And, you know, and there's the famous, you know, the Spielberg shooting star, right? And you get that over devil's star. You get, you get yeah. a shooting star and then you get an, a second shooting star and that star turns around. That's what's amazing. That's an amazing so cool. moment where you see the constellation start to shift yes. over the tower there at the end. Yeah. It's so They make great. the big dipper at one point. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so, yeah. it's, yeah, it's really. The sky beautiful. figures prominently in a lot of his movies, in a lot of his movies, just mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, there's something something up there that is the great beyond and that symbolizes hope. And the working title of this was Watch the Skies. That was interesting too. In this interview, he said that the hardest, the most difficult part of getting this movie completed and through the studios was- Drives attitude? (laughs) No, he said he was great. It (laughs) It was getting the title approved. They didn't want it to be called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is it's a so strange. sounding. It's yeah. it's a strange. They wanted title. it to be called the Terminal, which is very weird. <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> he said that was the thing that he really fought for because he met there was a guy and I'm blanking on his name and he's in the movie. He's a guy. He's got a pipe. He's got like a blue jacket he, and a pipe. Guy, he, is he the guy who coined this phrase yes. about like about yeah, yeah. like what what the delineations of what it is to have a close encounter? That's exactly what it yeah. was, and he just loved the name of it. Now, did you notice? who 
the old man is who holds up this sign that says, come, welcome and be friend, welcome, please be friendly. Home Alone. He's the old man from Home Alone. No. Who you way. love. Yes. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Isn't that great? Me? He's the That's old man amazing. who talks to little. What's his face? Macaulay Culkin. <gasps> yes. Wow, I Isn't love that, that cool? actor. I did not. And he's know whistling. They'll be coming movie. around the mountain. Yeah, and they and literally they the spaceships come around the mountain. <laughs> oh, that's so great! I'm so glad. Did you notice Carl Weathers? Yes, I never noticed Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers and Lance Lance Henriksen, who has a bigger yeah. role. I, I watched some deleted scenes. There's a there's more scenes between sense, yeah. Balaban and Truffaut and Lance Henri- Lance Henriksen. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I I totally forgot Carl Weathers was in this. I know. So I had cool. no idea. Um, all right, we yeah. got we got a top ten to get to. How does she love this up, boys? Oh. Snapple. I'm going nine on this particular edition that I watched, but I think if I were to watch the the director's cut, I might be a little higher. But I'm going to go nine on. That's this. exactly where I am. I would I'm give a nine it, on this too. I would do a nine on this one. I'd give a ten to the to the one that I I watched the the the, the second one. And what is that called? That's not the director's cut. It's the special, special edition. Special, special edition. edition. Yeah. So really, I mean, and and I was reading somewhere that Spielberg, this was the first time that a director had done that with a movie. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Who had gone back and like, you know, now it's like everyone does it, but this was the first time. So. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, No. Try nines. Try nine. We got to try (gasps) nine, boys. Um, Not our first. Shan't be our last. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I will also, spoiler alert, it, it made my list. But it was not before we rewatched it. It was not on my list. Well, it's it's funny what Dan said in the beginning. I was the same way. I, I well, I'll talk about. It. I had I sort of had a tough time with this list for an interesting reason that I never would have thought of. But I tend to forget about Close Encounters as well. I yeah. don't know why. I forget about it. Yeah. And then when I remember it, it comes back so fondly, and I'm like, oh no 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 no, this is going up there. But my, it's my interesting. impression of it was was always like, oh, it's technically, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. It's a great achievement, but it's cold. I always thought it was cold. I had, I, that's my recollection of it is that it's colder, more clinical, but it's not, but I, but that was my impression. And this rewatch reminded me, or maybe illuminated for me that it is not at all a a cold movie. Um, and, and the last time I think I saw it, I saw it with, uh, an, an ex girlfriend who mentioned something at the end that kind of really tainted it for me a little bit where she was like, I can't believe he's leaving his kids forever. Yeah. I can't believe he's leaving his children. I did think about and that this time. Spielberg wasn't a father yet. And it wasn't, he was still a kid. He wasn't a dad. And I think it's that difference. I don't, I don't think he would have made this movie quite the same way for better or worse if he had done it after he was a father, because it is a big thing, even though if they make it clear in the phone call, that she's leaving him. So the divorce is, you know, like, like his family is broken in that regard, but his children are still his children. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he may be brought back by the aliens, but he might be brought back in 60 years, like the, you know, or, or 50 years, like the, the world war two pilots, who the hell knows? You know what I mean? When you're getting on that ship, yeah, when's you, you don't know back? when you're ever going to come back. If you'll ever see your kids. Oh, again. That is Big and All it's right, always Sheilas. stuck with me. No, no, no. You're a monster, Steven Spielberg. Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, uh, no, but it is. It is strange. No, right? I thought it about is, that watching strange. this as well, yeah, thinking, "Ooh." Right. 
And it's also, we're coming at it again with a sense of cynicism. And I'm thinking all those, all those air, you know, force pilots are walking out and, you know, this is lovely that they're back, but what happened to their anuses on that, you know, on that spaceship? Oh my God. My God. What didn't happen? Yeah. (laughs) Which brings us to our next film. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Hash Browns. (laughs) You won the contest. Top 10 Spielberg. (gasps) All right. We're gonna we're gonna pendulum it. Anybody wanna anybody wanna start? Anybody wanna? Start I'll give a go. I'll, I'll give a start. I guess I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a caveat here. So it, it dawned on me as I'm going through. I'm thinking, okay, I, I I know what my top ones are. That's simple. That's easy. I got it. It's just maybe moving them it's around the here and five there. That's harder. Yeah, and it's the bottom five. So I'm looking at lists of all his movies, and I'm looking at them, thinking oh, I like a lot of these. I don't know if I love a lot of these because I've mm-hmm. never, I haven't seen them multiple times. There's a, there's a, a, a group of them that I've seen over and over and over and over again. But there are a few that I'm like, oh, I love that movie. I, from what I remember, because I only saw it once. So I had that going in and trying to, to figure that out. That being said, I rewatched a couple. One of them, which is my number 10, uh, I'll start, is Minority Report. I recently rewatched it uh, because I do remember really liking it when it came out. So, uh, and, and, and I, I, I think it's a really interesting Spielberg movie. I mostly watched it. If I have to be honest, I mostly rewatched it because I wanted to have a battle with you guys because I remember you guys saying that you liked this better than Blade Runner and mm-hmm. comparing it. There were some comparisons made and I was, I was, I'm like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to show them. Ha 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 ha. Um, I like Blade Runner better. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just throwing that out there. That's the only reason I have it on my list, just so I could say that. No, it's... <laughs> no, I think it's a really interesting movie. It's fun. I, I will say I do... I, I, I think it um, it gets a little too... Spielberg gets a little too cutesy at moments, which loses me. I wanted a, a, a darker... I wanted dark, you know, all the way straight through. A la which, Blade Runner. A la Blade Runner, I guess. I feel like yeah. Blade Runner holds yeah. the line more, and Blade Runner is a movie that knows exactly what it wants to be. This mm-hmm. one, I find he gets a little confused at times. That being said, I think still it's it's one of his, you know, top achievements. Um, it's It it does so many twists and turns to it. Mm-hmm. It's my number 10. It's very unpredictable. I like that movie yeah. a lot. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Minority Report's one of my honorable mentions. It is, it's exciting. It's fast. It's unpredictable. I like it. And my other honorable mention just barely didn't make my list is uh, The Color Purple, um, which I had only seen fairly recently, shamefully. Um, I've never seen but, it. You know, and uh, <gasps> I know. It, it, I'm embarrassed it, to say that. It's a great movie. It, it is, it is an imperfect, it is a, it is a, it is a, it is epic in scope. It's imperfect. It's kind it, it's follows a lot of different stories and you kind of don't know wait a minute, aren't, shouldn't we settle back in on Seeley's story and things like that? And, and there are massive imperfections of it, but it's still beautiful. And uh, Minority Report, I kind of feel the same way uh, about. It's like for, for those reasons that you stated, Fred. But, um, you know, uh, I like those two movies very much. I, I, really, this was tough. But my 10 is little movie we might have heard of. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh-huh. And uh, the one thing we didn't really touch on is Terry Garr's uh, performance. She's she the the way she's reacting throughout it um, to his madness 
is it's just dynamite. She's not panicking. She's not losing her mind. She's doing the anti. She's loving him so hard. You really, really feel for her because to her, it's just her husband's losing it. And it's very, very, very effective. You know what I got to mention? I totally forgot. Sorry. And it's but it's got to do with Terry Gar. There's a shot when he brings them when he's like, you got to see this, you got to see this. And he brings her out there. And I I rewatched this shot several times yesterday trying to figure it out. He walks sort of shot from above, he walks out to look where he saw it again. The next shot is of Terry Gar's feet walking to him. And I'm going, why is that there? Why is that there? And I think it's because he's looking up. She's grounded. That's it. She's there, but she's firmly planted on the ground. Yeah. Anyway, right. that I well, forgot about the line show. in the movie. Right. I think is when she says, uh, "She says, don't you think I'm taking this well?" Or, yes, uh, that's yeah. this well? I'm, <laughs> that I'm is par- a perfect it, example of like, what I'm talking she's like, about. You know, even if yeah. he would just acknowledge that and, yeah. and be like, "I know, I know," and then it's crazy. Thank you, thank she you. She was for cast from a me. coffee commercial, apparently. Steven Spielberg <laughs> saw her in a coffee commercial and thought he didn't see her in Young Frankenstein three years earlier. He saw her in a coffee. Commercial. That's what maybe it wasn't for. Maybe like he I'm originally saw her in a coffee true. commercial and thought, oh, I have to use her in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. She did. She really was a good Juan Valdez. Back in the, day. She was the original. <laughs> but I like coffee. I mean, I really get disappointed if it doesn't taste good. So I have to use MJP because, well, because. Somehow it always tastes good when it should. I'll go with my honorable mention because it's the movie that was my number 10 until late last night when I was like, oh, and I had watched Close Encounters two days ago. But then when I was looking at my notes again last night, I was like, it's got to be on my list. So then I put it on and uh, and I and, and I didn't just slide it in at number 10. It's actually it's somewhere else in my list. Um, Crystal Skull. So, so it knocked off uh, close. Boom. It knocked off my number 10, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I love this movie. I've said it before. It's pulpy. It's silly. It's offensive. It's one dimensional. <laughs> it's batshit crazy. But it is fun with a capital F, a capital yes. U and a capital N. Uh, the the opening sequence in the Shanghai nightclub, it's still, I said it in another episode and you guys thought it was crazy. It's kind of, when I think of like a great Spielberg sequence, just a great, fun, crazy scene, it's that yes. opening scene in the nightclub. And the, the the rest of the movie does not compare. I just watch that scene and then I'm like, great, it's a great Temple scene. of Doom. It, but it's so good. I love the mayhem of the movie. <laughs> love that it's not terribly PC and I think that well Last Crusade is probably the better movie and people seem to love it more I also think it's the safer movie because it's going back to the well it's going back to the Nazis going back to like what worked with Raiders um so it's very satisfying, but it's just not quite as fun as this, in my humble opinion. So that's my honorable mention because it got kicked off. My number 10 is West Side Story, which I went to go oh, see. Oh, you saw it? I what? went the other day. Damn it. I was going to go yesterday to see it. I saw it. Just to see if I can get it on the list. I thought it was beautiful. I really, and I okay. heard, and just reading the reviews, I was like, oh my God, I bet I'm going to love this. I bet I'm going to love this. I think some of the reviews kind of, um, uh, I think it, my experience was not quite as like, oh my God, my head's blown apart the way like <laughs> some, some reviews made it. But it is Spielberg getting back to 
he's just, it's really very assured. It's so beautifully directed. It's so vibrant. It's so muscular. He's so great. I remember reading articles that were like, and you talk about my favorite scene there in, in Temple of Doom, the opening with the big musical number that Kate Capshaw does. People are like, why has he never made a musical until now? Because he's got it in his bones. He's just such a great visual stylist and, and music feeds his work so much. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a, it's a great movie. I wept like a baby watching uh, it. Um, can't wait. It's really good. The cast is impeccable, especially Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno is great. I could Living say more legend. about it, but it's beautiful. I can't wait to watch this uh, version of West Side Story again. And it really, it, it updates it in very, very smart ways. Tony Kushner's script really kind of addresses a lot of things in, in a way that some people might find a little, a little too, uh, a little too woke or something, mm-hmm. but I, I, mm-hmm. I think it gives context for a modern audience in a way that uh, really helps sell the, the story. Nice. Uh, it's beautiful. There's a place for us somewhere a place for us peace and quiet and open air wait for us somewhere i gotta i gotta say my number nine pendulum the color purple that's my number nine i i love it i think there were very legitimate discussions at the time about uh whether Spielberg was the right director to make a movie like this. Uh-huh. But at that time, yeah. we didn't have a lot of African-American directors uh, helming major studio motion pictures. And he was the greatest, you know, the greatest living director at that time. And and so it, in a way, it's kind of I think it's wonderful that he chose to to make this film of, of Alice Walker's novel. Um, but it's I think it's a gorgeous movie. I, I agree with what you said, Dan. But I think if for nothing else, then for introducing us to the the depth and breadth of Whoopi Goldberg's talent. Oh my talent. God, she's so good. She's so good. I good think he deserves Lord. accolades for seeing her on Broadway in her stand-up one-woman show and being like, she's my Seeley. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty great. And I think that in 1985, he was probably the only person who could get this made on the scale that it was made. So that's my number nine. Everything you've done to me, already done to you. I'm poor, black, I may even be ugly, but dear God, I'm here, I'm here. My number nine is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, uh, I do like this movie very, very much. I, I you know, um, I, I love all the Indiana Jones movies except for the fourth one. Uh, but the <laughs> the um, the the it does it did feel a like a balance between the other two, you know, it, it's, it's has the seriousness and the, the, the stakes of the first one. And it has enough of the wacky and the crazy, uh, of the, of the, um, of the second one. And, uh, you throw Sean Connery in there, you know, 
I love I love two sequences, which are basically more or less comedic sequences. It's when the room starts to go on fire and they're back to back tied to the chairs. That's an excellent sequence. And on the blimp, you know, when he tosses the guy out and says no ticket and everybody yeah. else, you know, uh, is the, <laughs> immediately takes out their ticket. Uh, I, those are the two um, sequences that jump out to me. I also love everything that happens in Venice. That is all so great. It feels, you know, like a, you're solving the mystery along along with him and, mm. and with them. And it, and it's not it's just hokey enough. It's just fun enough. It's just enough of a balance between the two. So that's my number nine is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I love that ending with the old knight. Oh my god, yeah, so cool, so so yeah. cool. Yeah, Fredo number nine. My number nine. I will say it's not on my list, but I will give it an honorable mention. I do really enjoy that kick the can. Uh, segment of the Twilight Zone, the movie. I, I actually rewatched uh, uh, most of it last night from what I could find on YouTube. I love that whole movie, and, I, and it's 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 I it's very like touching. Zone, it's probably my least lot, favorite in the Twilight Zone movie, but yeah. it's really good. Uh, my number nine is Saving Private Ryan. It's a great mm-hmm. film. I mean, I don't know what, what you can say. I mean, everyone talks about the first, you know, 20 minutes, the invasion. It's unrelenting and grueling. But I think yeah. once you get, I mean, it's, 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 it's really an unbelievable sequence, you know. And, but Incredible. once you get past it, I still think it's a great story. I love all the, even Ed Burns. I love Ed Burns in it. Yeah, I'm in there. You forget about me. Don't forget about me. <laughs> He's there. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, um, Adam Goldberg, who I love. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough movie to watch. It's hard. It's, it's, it's grueling, but I, I think it's a great ensemble war piece. And uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just remember being really, really impressed by it. So, Saving Private Ryan, that's my number nine. Sometimes I wonder if I've changed so much. My wife is even going to recognize me whenever it is I get back to her. And how I'll ever be able to... to tell her about days like today. Uh, Ryan... I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. Man means nothing to me. It's just a name. But if... You know, if going to Ramel and finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well, then then that's my mission. What's your number eight? Pendulum. Oh, Pendulum. My number eight is a fun one that I recently rewatched with the kids. Catch me if you can. um, I always forget. I forget that that's a Spielberg movie. Mm -hmm. And I always sort of (laughs) want to dismiss it. And I remember when I first saw it, I was really taken by it. I thought, oh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's DiCaprio. He's great. You know, and at that time, I feel like the whole boyish thing was getting, they're like, well, what do you, who are you? Where, where, what are you doing? What's you? And, it, 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 you know, he still had that boyish thing about him, but I, I don't know, like, <laughs> It was just weird. Like, are you growing out of that? What are you doing? But it works so well. That's the whole point of Perfect this, you this. know, that yeah. he is so boyish and impish. And Tom Hanks is great. And it's just fun. I mean, that time period, uh, Spielberg just plays into really well. It's got sort of, you know, there's there's something technicolor and jazzy about it. Christopher Walken's yeah. great. You see these people staring at These are the most powerful people in New York City. And they keep peeking over their shoulders, wondering where you're going tonight. Where are you going, Frank? I have nobody staring at me. 
someplace exotic. Just tell me where you're going. Los Angeles, Hollywood. Hollywood. fun it's a great like cat and mouse chase movie you know and you really you get caught up and it's also like all of spielberg movies spielberg's movies it's about fathers and sons yeah you know yeah there's when you such, come right down to it yeah, yeah there's such a deep relationship there and just him wanting to save the family it's really there's some really beautiful moments so it's 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 a lot of fun catch me if you can my number eight uh is a movie i just watched last night because my wife taylor said wait, you're going to do a Spielberg top 10 and you haven't seen this movie. Hmm. This movie was very influential in her childhood. She watched it many, many times with her family. Um, and I had never seen it. And it's Empire of the Sun. It is freaking fantastic. Have you guys seen this movie? I saw it. I, I saw it when I was like a teenager when it came out. I think I saw oh it. Oh my God. Okay. Re I mean- it's Christian Bale's coming out party. He's very, very, very young in this. Yeah. And he, how did he not win everything that year? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know what he was, would have been up, who he would have been up against, but oh my God. I mean, it's a, it, it makes me want to do a reappraisal of everything he's, he's ever wow. done because to be that good and give that varied and, and d deep of a performance and layered hmm. of a performance at whatever age he is, 10 or yeah. 11, whatever he is. I mean, I, I was blown away. And I do think, you know, I make fun of him a lot, but I do think Christian Bale is actually a great actor. I just don't care for oh, him yeah. in the Batman movies and the choice that he's making, which mm -hmm, is a bold mm -hmm. choice. Where's the trigger? Where is it? You never give it to an ordinary citizen. But I mean, my God, this movie is great. So, and it it's it takes place in an, a, a piece of World War II history that I knew nothing about, which is the Japanese occupation of Shanghai and the Brits who were living there and how they were basically rounded up and put into internment camps. Mm. And just because they were Brits living there. Oh my God, it's gorgeous and it's mm. beautiful and um, so effective and so affecting. If you haven't seen it, Empire of the Sun and it and it like like a lot of you know you, you I never thought of it as like I need to see this movie because it's a Spielberg movie but it's so much about hope and about the sky and what's yeah. beyond and flying and the the war seen through a child's eyes it's it's mm. sort of you know Jojo Rabbit thirty years ago you know what I mean mm. but not with mm, but, okay. but again with no cynicism see Empire of the Sun if you haven't seen it um my number eight is uh war of the worlds um, i love war of the worlds i think tom cruise and steven spielberg are a fantastic team i'm surprised they haven't done more films together um <laughs> and we talk a lot on this podcast about post 9 11 films and i think this is mm. actually one of the earliest to really capture the trauma and anxiety of that day i just think that just about everything Spielberg and Cruz do in this film up until the part where Tim Robbins comes in and capsizes the movie is pretty 
it's pretty perfect. The early scenes are really pretty perfect. And I, I still, I remember like, uh, they, they give me a chill, you know, everything about the, the sound of the aliens, the way they look, the way their victims are blasted into ash instantaneously. Recall oh, God. Yeah, I remember that's pretty horrifying. Yeah, yeah horrifying. That's, that's the way the aliens arrive on the earth, literally riding lightning, they ride lightning into the mm-hmm. core of the earth. It's poetic. It's terrifying. I really, there's a lot I love about War of the Worlds. I do remember really being like, wow, this is, this is impressive and dark. And Tom Cruise is good at playing an asshole. My God, he's great. He's kind of a jerk in it. Yeah. He's really great. I really love him. I think Spielberg brings out something really great in him because I love his, uh, the two performances. I think it's only two movies they've made together. And I think he's. Mm. Really excellent in both of them. Uh, my number seven is Jurassic Park. We've talked a lot about it. You can go back to our Jurassic Park episode. It's a special effects game changer, and it's the film equivalent of an entire amusement park's worth of thrills and excitement. So, uh, And that's just Jeff Goldblum's performance. That's just Jeff Goldblum right <laughs> He's there. an amusement park of thrills. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm not gonna, I don't need to say anything about it. Everybody knows Jurassic Park. It's, that's my number seven. My, uh, number seven is Amistad. This is a I love terrific, Amistad. terrific movie. So many great performances in it. You can't even list them all. I mean, McConaughey's great. Jaiman Hunsu is incredible. This was his big coming out party. The, the moment mm-hmm. where he says, give us free is, uh, I mean, uh, how do you even get through that without, you know, just weeping all this stuff. Uh, um, with uh, with Anthony Hopkins is wonderful. Uh, you know, when I think about the movie, I think about the harrowing scenes on the slave ship when they're being brought over. And it's that's what makes it hard to to rewatch this one. It's why mm-hmm. I haven't rewatched it very much. It's very difficult, those scenes. But my God, it, it is it is a powerful, powerful movie. And um, and it is, you know, like the rest of of. Uh, many of these Spielberg movies, ultimately, it's about hope, it's positivity, and it's yeah. we can we we can do this. You know, we can we can we can all um, get through this this awful awful um, um, history that we that we share. Now, gentlemen, I must say I differ with the keen minds of the South and with our president, who apparently shares their views, offering that the natural state of mankind is instead. And I know this is a controversial idea is freedom. It's freedom. Boy, I love it. I, I want to watch it. Talking about it makes me want to watch it again, mm. um, even though it's it, parts of it are so difficult to see. I, I loved love it. it, too. I loved yeah. it when I saw it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Fred, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven, it's, we, Dan already brought it up. It's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> it's, uh, I was back and forth between that and Temple of Doom and I, I ended up going with Last Crusade. I didn't expect to like that movie. I remember by the time it came out, I thought, <laughs> this is going to, uh, I don't know, Sean Connery, it's going to be silly. Yeah. I just, and you're right, it goes back to the well and it, it, it sort of, you know, <laughs> leans on Raiders, but it works. It works yeah, and it's a lot it of fun. It's just a ton of fun and their stuff is unexpectedly, it's very funny, but it's also unexpectedly touching. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, like their relationship is lovely. So it's a great, it's, it's rollicking. I, I mean, you, you said it all, Dan. I, 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 every, and I rewatched it again with the kids a little while ago and the same thing. I was like, am I going to like this? And again, I'm like, nah, I don't know why I'm expecting to dislike it. <laughs> uh, maybe cause just cause crystal skull put such a bad taste Ooh. in my mouth God. more than, more than any star Wars prequel. I fucking agreed. 
can't, that movie was the most disappointing experience of my cinematic life. Oh, wow. that's, that's hard to argue. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's, I'm right up there with you. Do you think uh-huh. in, in last crusade, do you think the Denim Elliott, John Rice Davies stuff tips over into two silly? We, we, we've spoken about mm-hmm. that before. Cause I know you've had that argument where like suddenly he gets a little crazy at the end. He's like, Oh, follow me yeah. uh, a, a, a little bit, a little bit, but I didn't mind it when I rewatched it. a little, it. right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get, it doesn't get too goofy. When I rewatch yeah. it, I actually thought about that because yeah. you'd always, that, that would always been your big argument. Um, yeah. I still like it though. It's still good. Yeah. It, it fits the tone. You know, there's definitely a slightly lighter tone to it, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it works. It's just, it's a, it's a fun movie. Papers, please. Papers. Of course. <laughs> Run. Yes. <laughs> Papers, I've yeah. got it here. <laughs> Just finished reading it myself. <laughs> Run. Uh, yes. Yeah. Egyptian mail. Morning edition. Uh, uh, Run. Did you say... Uh, the... Run! Uh, my number six is Schindler's List, which <laughs> might be in okay. many ways... See, this is interesting, especially when we get into, into the top five. There might be movies that are his best movies. Schindler's List, in many ways might yeah. be his best movie. I can't yeah. say it's my favorite movie because That's the, I yes. only watched it once <laughs> and it was so, mm-hmm. but I remember every single moment oh, of it. I mean, yeah. it was so powerful. It's, uh, it, you know, a lot of people, uh, and a lot of people are complaining at the time, well, he's manipulative. Spielberg's manipulative. I don't buy that. I don't think he is at all. I, I think, think all so. directors can be. You know, there was a lot of, uh, he got a lot of guff about the girl in the red coat. Well, that was manipulative. Fuck you. I, I didn't know. That's the moment where you, it's a, it's, it's a cinematic and theatrical uh, yes. uh, device. Symbolism. Yes, yeah. a conceit. A conceit, yeah, you know, and I, and I, I... If you don't think Spielberg uses symbolism, you haven't really watched his movies. It's yeah. all through You haven't watched movie. movies, you know? Yeah. And if you think he shouldn't, yeah. What, yeah, what is that yeah, about? What's wrong with you? Right. But here's the yeah. thing, you could watch, I mean, the, you know, what? what is that? There's that, the... um. Uh, 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 Showa, which is like nine hours. Yes. It's a nine-hour mm-hmm. movie. You can watch. Right. You know, like this. This is a different <sighs> thing. He was making. I mean, it's it sounds so. This this belittles it to say that he was making a commercial Holocaust movie because that's not what he's doing. No, it's deeply God. personal. But I think it was a way of him saying, "Let's take the horrors that is shown in the nine or ten hours of Showa." Right. Not a lot of people are going to watch that, and people yeah. need to know. We constantly need to be reminded that this happened. You know, this was a a major human rights violation. This needs to be seen in all its horror. But are people going to be able to sit through nine hours of that? No. So let's see if we can make this into a, you know, a three-hour movie that people are going to go see. And I think he does that beautifully. Ray Fiennes is, you know, a revelation in it. That He's so... He's incredible. He's amazing. He's just a horrifying character. It just... It just guts you, and I, I can almost think of no better compliment that I can't. I don't want to see it again, yeah. Because of that, you know. Eventually, I will because I'll watch it with the kids, or the kids will see it. But it's um, mm. it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully made. I think the performances are stunning, yeah. Uh, and yep. yeah, it might be his. Uh, maybe it is his best movie. I don't know, but it's it's that's where it is on the list for me. It's number six. That's yeah. great. Yep. 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 Danny, what's your number six? Saying? My number six is uh, Jurassic Park. We've talked yeah. about it at length. Go back to our episode. Charlotte Soros, attack! 
is a guy sitting on a toilet gets eaten by a T-Rex. <laughs> what better? What's better than that? Nothing. That's my favorite <laughs> Spielberg moment, I think. It's so funny. I wanted to mention this and I'll mention it right now because my number six is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's yeah. how high it jumped from not being on the list awesome. to number six. Awesome. But, um, but you mentioned the guy on the toilet, that, that act of cowardice and how it's his undoing. Close Encounters has a moment, at least this original version that we watched, that I don't remember, which is when the mothership is there and the lights are going crazy and the sound is going crazy. Somebody... Some technician, somebody on runs that into a runs into like what seems yeah. like a bathroom or something. Yeah. Like runs now. Yes. It seems like he's just scared. Like somebody would lose their shit in that yeah. situation. No matter how much training you've had, no matter how much prep, you'd be like, oh my God, they're going to destroy us. I'm going to like hide in the fucking bathroom. And he yeah. runs right past Dreyfus and Dreyfus is walking towards or looking towards <laughs> with this beatific look on his face, you know? And yeah. so it's like everything we've been saying about like, you know, like who, who are, who's the person, uh, Truffaut even says that these people belong here. The people who yes. make the journey, the people who understand, the people who innately uh, know and have created a forged a bond. They were beings are the yeah. ones who deserve to be here more than any of us. And that's what you see that <laughs> shot of Dreyfus, just joy on his face. And another guy <laughs> running to the toilet to vomit and shit. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. It's uh, we said we've said it all. Uh, I, I literally we've said it all. So uh, one thing I thought watching it was. This reminds me of really good old Spielberg, like it, those first five or six movies that we love from our, you know, going from like Jaws through mm -hmm. E.T., say uh, those movies. He's just so fucking gifted, so assured. And he makes you they, they are the movies of our childhood. They just yeah. make you feel like you're at home. That's it's our it's our pop culture zeitgeisty just you know it's 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 in our dna it's our cinematic dna and he, yes. you just always feel in such good hands with him um yeah it's like it's spielberg in that great phase where he's just at the height of his powers uh my number five is schindler's list and the same thing fred i've seen it once i saw it the day it swept the Oscars in 1994. I went with Annette and Jim Bowden. We went and we saw it because we were like, we got to watch this. It's going to win everything tonight. We have to watch it. It was amazing. Blew me away. The second I could get my hands on a VHS of it, I bought it. I've never watched it. Never yeah. watched it again. Never put it in the machine. But I was like, I need to own this. Yep. But I never watched it. Uh, it's devastating. It's brilliant. Uh, every human should see it. It's the acting is impeccable. You said it. Ray Fiennes, Ben Kingsley, everyone's amazing. Power is when we have every justification to kill. And we don't. You think that's power? That's what the Emperor said. A man stole something. He's brought in before the Emperor. He throws himself down on the ground. He begs for mercy. And the Emperor pardons him. That's power, Amon. That is power. My number five can be summed up in two sounds. Buh, buh. <laughs> yeah. Is that the sound yeah. of the baby in Baby's Day Out? Asking for his baba? Oh, 
Speaking of Baby Spielberg Day Out, Spielberg didn't no, direct that. No, I know you think of, it's as brilliant as a Spielberg movie, but please no. Speaking of Baby's Day Out, speaking of Baby's Day Out, we can't have Baby's Day Out and Schindler's List this close together in a conversation. <laughs> if you watch Empire, horrifying. if you watch, they're very horrifying. If you if you watch Empire's Son, you get a great Joey Pants performance. Your favorite, okay? Speaking of Baby's Day Out, Good. he's in. He shows up in there, Joey Pants. Great. Uh, my number five, is, uh, ba, bing, boo. <laughs> it's Jaws. Very, this movie's very good. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. <laughs> if you've seen it ever, it's about a shark and a Roy Scheider. Uh, <laughs> what, Roy Roy Scheider. I mean, what can you say? I mean, you know, I, I yeah. don't even know where to begin with this movie. It is, it, I don't. Uh, he's working stuff out, right? He's a young director. He's done a couple of things and he's taking shots. He's taking chances. Everyone's saying, you know, you can't do this on the water. He's putting it on the water. He's throwing uh crazy. Uh, what's his name from the sting in there? What's Robert, Shaw. Robert, yeah, Shaw. Robert Shaw in there, you know, who was, I think like a second or third or fifth choice or something like that. He gives an unhinged, it's unhinged in its, in its intensity. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for 10. You gotta make up your minds. You wanna stay alive and ante up? You wanna play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Um, this was a movie that very few movies are cultural phenomenons and this movie was one of the first cultural phenomenons and there's a reason why because it's absolutely utterly completely viscerally terrifying when i think of this movie i think of that shark up on the boat eating robert shaw <laughs> yeah yeah you know just in him going down into the gullet of the shark while it's writhing around that i mean what my god can you imagine what the audiences in the 70s must have thought when they saw that happen yeah good lord they must have run around screaming. how do you not run around screaming in the theater jaws <laughs> uh, is the name of the movie fred my what's five. your number five my um, number five is the movie we spent the last hour talking about is close encounters of the third kind i love no, this movie no, i no, won't say anything no, else it's, but it's, no. it's what you said jason it, it it feels like home and why and i said it at the beginning of the episode i had it, 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 i was giddy and i and i it felt like watching it with my family with my mom like there's something so comforting mm. about early spielberg and he's i yeah i love it i was so i had so much fun watching both versions yesterday so that's my number five close encounters yeah. of the third not the first or the second Wait a minute. the third kind no. your number four my number four is jurassic park it's <gasps> exactly like you said it's it's just like a thrill ride uh i used the word before it is rollicking it's rollicking and terrifying all at the same time i will never forget seeing it for the first time in the movie theaters and then seeing it over and over and <laughs> over and over again because as we discussed in that what's love got to do with an jurassic park episode it was the first movie that came to the $2 movie theater on 50th Street or 49th Street. And I just went, I'm like, $2 to see Jurassic Park? Sure, I'll see it 19 times. Yeah. Nice. So I just kept going. It's it, it's it's just one, it's Spielberg doing what he does. It's just that wonder and awe. And it's fucking dinosaurs. What's better than that? Yeah. So yeah. Jurassic Park, that is my number four. My number four is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, hey. I grew up... Um, 
uh, with this movie, whenever anyone would ask me, what's your favorite movie? It was this movie <laughs> I, cool. and, until I saw, you know, until I matured, I guess, and got a little yeah. older and started seeing, you know, Goodfellas and Godfather and things like that and Psycho and stuff and Hitchcock. It, this was my favorite. And it's so, so high on my list because it is such a, a 180 from the tone of Raiders. Yeah. Um, and from the from the the and it and it's a prequel. Let's not forget. Temple of Doom is a prequel yeah, to yeah. Raiders. So I think it's like the greatest prequel of all time um, <laughs> yeah. easily. Uh, and, uh, and I have an issue you know, with that and I'll tell you why. Oh, OK. Yeah. Because uh, um, is the new Blade Runner a prequel to the old? Um, Shut up. The the uh, the fun of this movie, the crazy of it. And, you know, yes, that opening sequence and them falling from the, you know, getting the raft and falling through as it inflates. I mean, my God, it's it's unbelievable. It's very pulpy. It's very silly. Kate Capshaw is annoying and wonderful in it. (laughs) Um, Yes, there's problematic stuff all throughout. I love the relationship between Indy and and Short Round. I mean, it's just, it it feels like an offshoot of characters we already knew and loved. You know, it's like, let's take these characters that you already know and love from Raiders, or at least one of them, and put them Hmm. in a totally different situation with totally different people in a totally different style. It's stylistically utterly different from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I, I sat there with my you know, eyes open and my jaw dropped watching this thing. And I never, never, never forgot a moment of it. I love that movie. It was my favorite movie growing up. Wow. Holy smoke. Class landing. Short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's horn here, potato. I just remember even as a kid when it came out, the fact that it was a prequel, I loved the idea, but it always bothered me because in Raiders, he says, he goes, oh, Marcus, you know, I don't believe in any of that supernatural, you know, hocus pocus stuff, but he deals with that in Temple of Doom. I always thought, but that doesn't track. He doesn't, that doesn't track, but whatever, that's that's a minor, minor quibble. One second, boys. It's my anniversary. Yes. I'm going to go hug my wife before happy I do my anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Happy anniversary. Right we love you. I'll be right back. Oh. Happy anniversary. Anniversary. They're going to do it. Oh, my God. It's going to be like this. If Jason decides to keep this in, Dan in slow motion is doing the finger into the hole motion while singing the Jurassic Park love theme. You insensitive asshole! Um, do you think they'll do it while watching Lincoln or The Post or <laughs> 1941 or Tintin? Which movie do you think? I almost watch. There was a part of me that wanted to put 1941 on the list because I just remember watching it so much as a kid. God damn you. Well, for an nostalgia factor, I just remember watching that one and going like, yay, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Oh, they don't, they're not in it very much. (laughs) It's like watching Best Defense for the Eddie Murphy scene. Ah. He's in it for two seconds. It's like, what the hell am I looking at here? Um, have you seen War Horse? I haven't seen it. Nope. That, that's the thing. I'm looking at this list. I'm like, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm doing a movie seen, podcast. I haven't seen half of these movies. I have not seen BFG, Tintin, Bridge of Spies, which is supposed to be great. I hear that's really good. I started to Munich, watch. I fell asleep. Which, you know the story of Munich, right? All right. We all I loved Munich. See, all right. We all went to see it. And this will be funny. Wait, we got to wait for Jason to this to come back. I don't think sorry, I saw that with sorry, you guys. Sorry, sorry. That's right. We saw no, it together. Right there, we're oh. going through the list of all the Spielberg movies we haven't seen. And for me, 
Munich is on that list because of oh, the yeah. famous because the, cell, because the guy on his cell phone sitting. Oh, that's us. right. When you got into the fight, that's right. Never seen it. So, that's uh, great. and I've never seen it either. I actually love Munich. So I debated throwing that. That that could have easily been in the Minority wow. Report spot as well. It's, it's we got I, ten I, minutes I into it. the movie, seeing it in a packed. Packed, packed Astoria, Astoria. Astoria, and there was a person on his phone, you know, rose behind us, talking loudly, having a full-on conversation on his phone. And I went and snapped my fingers in the guy's face <laughs> and was like, hey, 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 put your phone away. And one of his friends or girlfriend or whoever it was grabbed me by the by the arm. And then I pulled away and was like, whoa, whoa. And then they started yelling at me and getting up. And I left. And and we a bunch of us left. We all left. And but basically, none of us got to see Munich. And my whenever I think of the movie Munich, I think it's a movie about a man snapping in the face of another man with a cell phone. Uh, sort of, the that's sort of the theme. Those are the themes. Terrifying. Yeah. 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 Um, it's Eric Banish is snapping makes- in Daniel Craig's face the whole time. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm the one who interrupted us to go say uh, more no, 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 to no, my no. wife. But happy um, anniversary! Yay! Yay! Yay. So Thank where you. are we now? Uh, my number four, which <gasps> is. I'm sure you all understand the legalistic drawback to pre-crime methodology. Here we go again. Look, I'm not with the ACLU on this, Jeff. But let's not kid ourselves. We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The commission of the crime itself is absolute metaphysics. The pre-cons see the future, and they're never wrong. But it's not the future if you stop it. Isn't that a fundamental paradox? You ever get any false positives? Someone intends to kill his boss or his wife, but they never go through with it. How do the precogs tell the difference? Precogs have to see what you intend to do. Only what you will do. My number four is Minority Report. I love it. Report? Minority Report. <laughs> Yar. My number four is Minority Report. I, yeah, I, I love this movie. Um... Uh, yeah, this is also uh, based on a Philip K. Dick story, and uh, I uh, it's no surprise to say I prefer it to Blade Runner. Um, this is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Tom Cruise performances up with Magnolia, too. I just think he's oh, yeah. excellent in it. I think it's uh, I, I also think Samantha Morton is fantastic. She's it's so the, good. The precog. That's what they call them. The, yes. the um, in, in the tank who sees people's crimes before they commit them. Colin Farrell's great. I think it's very emotionally rich and which is an issue i have with blade runners or maybe i you know they i think you would prefer the this to kind of go a darker route and i kind of like again spielberg right that hope is infused even in something like this a dystopian yes. uh kind of sci-fi uh, future noir world uh he, he still finds i don't believe in hope jason no, i don't i don't I, like I don't, hope or joy in my movies no i know you've made that clear um <laughs> that's why the terminal is your number one hopeless <laughs> hopeless movie you're gonna be stuck here forever tom hanks no i just think i, I just think i just think you know I, what can i say spielberg's just mass Masterful, and he he makes he makes science fiction that feels utterly plausible and and real, right. and 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 so much of what's in the film, from the virtual reality and the animated billboards and to the facial recognition technology, it's all you know, it's so prescient. And I, I was doing some reading. He like went to scientists. He was like, "What will the world look like in blah blah blah, however many years?" You know, and and they were like, "Well, we'll probably have this. We'll probably have that." And he put as much of that as he uh, could into the film. Um, so it, it it really you know that that plausibility uh, got baked into this uh, twenty years ago when he made it, and it's part of what makes it such a rich experience. So that's my number four. My number three. Yeah. Uh, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark and its perfection. I've never seen it. Can you and, believe it? I'm and, just kidding. And we, we spoke at length about it in our fourth episode of this podcast. So oh, yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't have, what can I say about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Nothing. There's, it's, it's perfect. It's a, it's a Tanshila movie. I, I loved it more than ever when we did our rewatch of it last year. I appreciated it more than ever. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's literally perfect. My top three, I just think are perfect movies. So, uh, and, and three is Raiders. Hey, what happened? You don't look very happy. Fools. Bureaucratic What'd fools. What'd they say? They don't know what they've got there. Well, I know what I've got here. Come on, buy a drink. You know, a drink. Damn, what's I'm not even gonna say anything because we have a whole episode about it. So, shout out to our friend Tote. We got to give him a shout out. Oh, yes, easy. Okay, maybe it's not perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's nefariously perfect. It's nefarious. Uh, number th- my number three is uh, Schindler's Lust, which I saw in a hotel room. <laughs> no, Schindler's List. Uh, 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 <laughs> same, same thing as you guys. I have seen this movie once. I saw it uh, at the Levittown Lowe's, as memory serves, mm-hmm. uh, with John Flynn um, back when it came out. We sat there. At the end of it, I was I was crying and I couldn't stop crying because the movie ends, if you recall, with the actual descendants of the of those who were killed in the Holocaust coming to the the actual cemetery and putting the stones on the graves, which is in the Jewish tradition. And I was just a wreck. And I've never seen the movie since. I've never I haven't seen it because I can't. You are a better human being for having seen it. If you have not seen Schindler's List, it will make you a better person uh, for for having seen it. Because like you said, Fred, you have to know. You just have to know um, about this. And and um, yeah, I've never seen it again. Maybe the three of us should all watch it together since we've all all only seen it one time. Yeah. Uh, But uh, it is one of those movies that um, 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 just every image of it stays in your memory, the performances and, and, and everything about it. Um, But it is something that you put yourself through. You choose to, to put Mm -hmm. yourself through it uh, because it is a, it is a visceral experience. So Schindler's list, not that other movie I said. (laughs) Afraid. Oh, what's your number three? My number three, and you know, just exactly what you said. My the my top three are, in my opinion, all perfect movies, and I could I could flip flop them in any way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was going back and forth, but I'm going to put for my number three. It's E.T. It's sort of like I said with Schindler's List. It's not it's not my favorite. It's not my number one favorite, but I do think it is the perfect Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. I think when you, when mm-hmm. 99% of the population, other than a few people who think put the terminal there, like Dan, <laughs> I think when you think Spielberg, you, everyone thinks of ET. It is, you know, we spoke a lot about it talking about close encounters, but it's so, it's probably his most personal film you know, it's, 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 uh, and who, yeah, just captured, you know, our, my imagination, all of our imaginations when we were a kid, it was uh, such a huge zeitgeist moment, but yeah. for reason, it's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want an ET? Who doesn't want someone like that? You know, a friend in our lives like that. 
It's beautiful. We've all seen it. It's E.T. I think it's yeah. the, the <laughs> perfect Steven Spielberg movie. You know, just I, I so prefer many Mac moments. and me. I may be in the minority. I prefer <laughs> Mac and me. I'm not sure if others feel the same way. Uh, I think I it's know. a superior. Sorry. What's your number two? Oh, no, it's me. Okay. No, no, no. Fred first. Oh, Fred. Fred. Sorry. My Fred number Jones. two could very well be my number one. I think it's maybe, I used to use the word perfect. E.T. is the perfect Spielberg movie. I think this is possibly the most perfect movie ever. It's Jaws. I I think it's a perfect movie. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it might be, I've said this before, I think it might be the greatest American movie ever made, which I know sounds weird. You know, maybe because there's a big part of it that takes place on 4th of July, so there is like this Americana thing about it, but it's just, it's astonishing. It's, 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 I love everything about it. I love how I feel when I watch it. It's, I mean, yes, it's about a shark and it's terrifying, but it's about the characters are amazing. I mean, Roy Scheider's character. I, I, now that's, this probably comes from the Peter Benchley novel. You know, I don't know. I've never read it, but I just love the fact that you have a sheriff who hates the water right. and he's on an right. island. Right. That's a great fantastic. Setup. And the, the family stuff. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is it's one of the best scenes in the movie, him and his son at the table the night yeah. before he's got to go out on this journey. And he's, you know, him and his just playing with his son and they're imitating. No. It's so it's so rich, the characters in it. You know, uh, you're going to be the only rational man left on this island after I leave tomorrow. Where are you going? Uh, I am going on the Aurora. The Aurora? What is that? It's a floating asylum for uh, shark uh, <laughs> fanatics. Uh, pure research, 18 months at sea. Martin hates boats. Martin hates water. Martin, Martin sits in his car when we go on the ferry to the mainland. I guess it's a childhood thing. It's uh, there's a clinical name for it, isn't there? I Drowning. Listen, is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water, about ten feet from the beach? Yeah. Then why don't we have one more drink and go down and cut that shark open? Martin, can you do that? I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. You know why you say it? it's the it's the perfect American movie because it's all about the, well, the populace being sacrificed to, yeah. for yeah. the sake of capitalism. Right? Yes, it's well, what not we're living through right now. Yeah, yeah, we like gotta make the money. The capitalist off machine has to right. keep going no matter what. Oh it's uh, no, it's great. I mean, that's no, one part of it. But, you're you know, right. It's true. It's true. And and it's also you know I mean we know this in hindsight, but you think about. And I've said this with to, to my, I've used this movie as an example to my kids before, like when they, if they're trying to do something creatively and there's a problem. I mean, we all know the famous story. You were supposed to see the shark. You were, you know, the story yeah, is, yeah. you know, this movie, they filmed for a year. It was miserable. I mean, Spielberg in the interview yeah. talking about Close Encounters that I watched last night, it was horrible. you know, he was like, this was the greatest shoot ever. He's like, in any other circumstances, this would have been the toughest shoot of my life. He's like, but I was on dry land. You know, everything worked. It was great. You know, it it sounds like a horror story. They were over budget. It went forever. The shark never worked. But 
he was able, he was such a fucking genius that he figured out a way to make not seeing the shark more terrifying. I mean, with the barrels, that's amazing. That's, you know, again, like it goes back to what we were talking about with close encounters with the, with the truck lights. You think they're truck lights, but the lights going up. I mean, to me, that's equivalent to the barrels. How do you show something without showing it? And it's just, uh, it's it's perfect. It could have easily been my number one, but I think we all know what my number one is now. Yeah. Which brings us to the terminal. <laughs> Again. Danny, you're number two? Shaving Ryan's Privates, which I saw <laughs> oh in a hotel. God. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the, uh, number two I'm on, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We have a whole episode about this. What more do you want? It's so good i mean it's i agree with you it's that's a i mean that's a perfect one for me i think it's a perfect movie i i don't there's not a moment of this that that missteps karen allen is brilliant they're all fantastic the the the, you're you're in from moment one it just takes you in and you can't not watch the rest of it no matter how many times you've seen Mm -hmm. it it's a perfect freaking movie you know if you haven't seen raiders of the lost ark what's the matter with you what's wrong with you (laughs) i mean seriously What's wrong with you that you're on TikTok, but you haven't? Yeah, I'm telling you, your kids now. No, I'm just kidding. Right. I know. You're like really targeting Izzy here. And it's uncomfortable. Well, they've seen um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, thank God. Don't you target my daughter. I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> God sense. they've seen it. I'm talking to my, uh, I'm talking to everybody else out there. Good. Uh, my number two is also Jaws. Also, yeah, it's perfect. Oh, Baxter oh, likes Jaws Baxter too. liked that, that movie Baxter. too. He liked Baxter it. Baxter likes Jaws. Hi, Baxter. Uh-huh. Do you like Jaws? He's staring at me. Baxter, um, don't end up like Tippett in Jaws. Oh, no. You insensitive asshole. Yeah, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. You you just said it all. One of the most, uh, you know, I, I mean, everything about the challenges of that shoot. Necessity is the mother of invention. Obstacles breed creativity. He 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 picked a, 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 if ever a gauntlet was thrown down and somebody <laughs> grabbed it and and I mean it, he made his reputation with this movie in so many ways. I mean it's a brilliant movie, uh, but to have overcome the obstacles at his age and uh, and, and, and he just cemented himself in in Hollywood history. Um, he is a certified genius and it's 100% deserved and it's, and, and yeah, Jaws is, it's just perfect. And much like the Godfather, I think, you know, these are two films that are considered probably two of the greatest American films and they're both, and they both uh, come from kind of pulpy origins, you know, a a kind Mm -hmm. of a horror novel and a gangster novel, you know, just, you know, paperbacks on a rack that, you know, like just, you know, know, just reading for like kind of mindless entertainment that became great, great cinema. Um, And I, you know, all the performances are great. My favorite is Robert Shaw. I think Quint is just one for the ages. Um, And uh, my number one is uh, E.T. The Extraterrestrial. It is the most magical movie I have ever seen. It's the first movie that I cried at in the theater, and I cried so hard I had a stomach ache. I couldn't believe it, how how uh, how much it affected me. And when those bicycles flew into the sky at the end, I sincerely had no idea it was coming, even though he told us this is possible, this is a thing that can happen. <laughs> I had no idea it was coming, and I could not contain my joy. I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I really want to revisit it because it's been several years. But... Um, yeah, I think it's probably as perfect a movie as they come. And yeah, and peak, P 
peak Spielberg. Um, the kids are amazing. The creature's amazing. The story could not be simpler or more pure. And he, it's like what we said about Close Encounters, he just, he taps into the mind and heart and soul of childhood like no other filmmaker. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think this will, I, again, this top three, they can kind of trade in and out. E.T. Mm-hmm. Jaws Raiders, but but this feels like the most like his heart, and uh, and, yeah. and that's why I think it's his masterpiece. So that's my number one E.T. Danny, my number one. Does that make it yours too? No, his E.T. Yeah. The extra testicle, which I saw in a hotel <laughs> room. <laughs> no, it's E.T. How can it not? I mean, who uh, says you don't do prep? So- <laughs> This is all off the cuff, baby. Oh, is it really? Uh, all your no, not at all. The the. Oh, no, uh, I'm sorry. It's not. It wasn't my number one. We could have had like a Goodfellas oh, thing here with the gangs. I fucked it all up. See, no, gosh you darn didn't. it, you didn't. Uh, you got. We have to have Terminal in there somewhere. <laughs> Et. It, it's my. It's one of my favorite movies. The of all Sperminal, time. which I saw in a hotel. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. That would have been better. The uh, your, everything you said is right on the money, Jason. I cried like a baby. So did my sister. We saw it in the theater. We also saw it at a drive-in, at an old drive-in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my mother's favorite movie of all time. It's just magic. It's wonder. I, I, I mean, the, you know, I going on and on about young Christian Bale's performance in this. Young Henry Thomas, yeah, my God, every bit is good, and freaking Drew Barrymore, is so yeah. great as Gertie. Where does Spielberg find these kids? My God, between him, between the little yeah. kid in Close Encounters, it's like he's the greatest kid casting director of all time. He finds the best, yeah. the best kids in the world. Elliot, 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 I taught him Elliot, how to talk. Now he can Elliot, talk now. Elliot. Look what he brought Elliot, up here all by Elliot, himself. Elliot, What's he need this Elliot, stuff for? Elliot. E.T., can you say that? Can you say E.T.? E.T. 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 Be good. Be good. I taught him that, too. You should give him his dignity. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. George Lucas couldn't have brought him in for a day? To cast Anakin? My friend to, does this pretty good. Yeah, the <laughs> diametric opposite with Lucas. Oh. oh my god, the worst, the worst casting. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you get much of a better movie than than ET because yeah. uh, it is everything that we've been saying about Spielberg all along. The sky, the wonder. Peter Pan, you know, he's yeah. so influenced by yeah. Peter Pan and she's reading Peter Pan to Gertie. And that has echoes all through uh, all through the rest of of his movies. The, the fact that you can look up and there's things that are unknown and that doesn't necessarily have to be scary. It'll be scary, but it also can be wondrous and it can be miraculous. And you got to have a kid mind and a kid heart to 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 buy into it. You got to be able to have that. And that's what's wonderful about the Peter Coyote uh, character is that he's, he, you get the impression he used to be, you know, Elliot. Um, and then the greatest thing about it is it became a great serial, which we <laughs> all remember as little E's and little T's of chocolatey um. and peanut buttery a la Reese's Pieces. And someone please bring this cereal back into our lives. Fredo, you're not Mine, one. You, well, you know, it, it, there's nothing else that my number one could be, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, because yeah. I, I didn't, there were times that I wanted to dress up in my backyard 
as Oscar Schindler and throw Nazis <laughs> off the tree. There were times that I wanted to dress up in my backyard as Private Ryan and throw oh. Nazis into my beanbag. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I, my, I didn't have the Oscar Schindler outfit, but I did have my Indiana Jones outfit. And I would often, as we've talked about in that episode, I think that was episode number four, yeah, I would dress up like Indiana Jones and put on stage shows and no other movie captured my imagination like that one did. And it's stuck there. It's like I said, these three E.T. Jaws and Raiders could all be up there. Uh, but but Raiders is just the greatest adventure of all time. This is Indiana yeah. Jones. What else are you going to say? It's uh, it's yes, it's about as perfect as you can get. I have been. In this business, 52 years, and I Marion, don't look at it. I, Shut your eyes, Marion, don't I, look at it, no matter what happens. I, I, I've never seen anything like this. And reality is the situation. And I, I can't speak. Yeah, you know, you're right. Well, this guy's really hung up on World War II, right? I mean, come on, get over it. <laughs> Okay, we've seen it from every different angle. All right, all right, already. We get it. World War II and aliens. World War II and aliens. You know, it's like... An occasional shark. Come on. Diversify a little bit. Diversify your portfolio, Steve. (laughs) Fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Uh, I was going to say episode 69, but I know these guys are just going to, there we go. You can't say it. You just can't say it. We can't have nice things. Uh, we'll return in uh, a couple weeks time with a look back at February 17th, 1989 and the release of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure starring Keanu Reeves, The Burbs starring Tom Hanks and True Believer starring James Woods and Robert Downey Jr. That's next time on opening weekend. Dan, what you got for us? How about a medley? How about a little Ooh. medley? Okay. A medley of, of Spielberg's greatest Ooh. and John Williams's greatest. Oh, huh? I love it. Let's do it. Fantastic. Okay. Wait, do you, do you know the theme to the terminal? <laughs> <laughs> And do you I have the capacity I, to do the Bridge of Spies love song? Because God. I think, and, and I think, cue that fart from last week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Has anyone actually seen the terminal? Because it's come yes. up a lot. Oh, I saw yes. it. Opening oh, really? okay. weekend. Yeah, not yeah, good. I saw it. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs>
That golden Good. Sheila winner. Great. Golden <laughs> Sheila winner. I Listen, said it now. When Spielberg, when they do the Remind big, you know, I'm... lifetime achievement <sighs> retrospective for Spielberg, and they show all the clips of his movies, they need to play that. <laughs> they need to play that because In that's... In memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Fantastic. This really does mean something to me. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, I wonder if Travis will call in. Ooh. Ooh. I wonder what he thought of our lists. Exactly. exactly. And maybe lumpy, too. No. <laughs> All right, I'm, <laughs> I'm lumpy. I'm lumpy. I'm lumpy. <laughs> I'm lumpy. <laughs> Jesus. Um.